I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. Hey friends, welcome back. It's the best show in the world. It's a fantastic episode of Geek Down Pod with your boy and your girl. <gasps> Yay! Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of the Geek Down Podcast. show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. From Toronto, Ontario, my name is Jordan Ferguson and with me on the other line, lounging from the satellite branch in scenic Hamilton, Ontario, your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. I didn't know he was going to do that, guys. That was that was great. I'm psyched now. Oh, you am? <laughs> she's, she's amped. She's I'm, all... like, I'm always pretty, pretty, like, happy to do the podcast. Like, I'm like, yay, we're doing the podcast. But now I'm like, yeah, we're doing the podcast. Po- <laughs> yeah, but do a Slim Jim. Like, I'm... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm up there. Well, let's keep that, keep that same energy. Friends, if you'd like to listen to all the other energy levels of this show, they fluctuate greatly. But wherever you get your audio content, look up Geek Down Podcast, give us a follow or a subscription. And every subsequent week, you don't have to do anything else because new episodes will be brought to you by your man. Chauncey Brasilek is the third Geek Down Internet Elf. He's going to bring those episodes directly to your device, slam them into your ear hole. You don't have to worry about a thing. If you would like to thank us for being so considerate. You can reach us on most socials, primarily Twitter, Get up off Twitter. at GeekDownPod. We also have email, Facebook, etc. If you would like to thank us financially, don't. It's still weird Please out there. Save your money. Despite all the, all the excitement some people have for reopening. Calm down. If you find, you know, $3 in your laundry and you would like to buy us a coffee, you can go to ko-fi.com slash GeekDownPod. Throw us those $3.00. As much or as little as you want. Every dollar is appreciated. <laughs> the, the economy has slowed down considerably, but we are going to p- have to pay for hosting at some point. So, I mean, hey, we'll, we'll gladly accept it. Huh. And I believe that was a record run through the preamble. Was it not? It was amazing. I'm just <laughs> keep, keeping that energy light and tight. Got I have a sense, yeah. I have a sense that this is going to be one of those really like, I, 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 I was going to use a word, but it's not the right word. But I... It, it like puckered episodes. Like it's gonna be real. Ew. I exactly. That's why it's I didn't real, want to use that it's word. A real puckered up episode. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> going to be. I think a punch drop will suffice for that. But I will. I you know it. It'll come back to me. Oh, it'll come to me, and then I'll yell it out. Uh, friends, we've been charting the weeks here as Caitlin and I have done these socially distant episodes. I don't know what week we're on right now. Sorry, not numerically, but like emotionally. That's how we chart the weeks. I think we're on, we're on the like holding pattern week. It's the holding pattern week. And as I was saying to Kate before we started, I'm on the, um, you know, my anxiety has shifted towards, oh my God, this is never going to end to, oh my God, it might be ending. And somebody might expect me to like leave my house. And go back to a job. What? And how's that job going to look in the new normal? Because the world has changed, y'all. It has. And it's. And I think people have this idea that in like a month, 
we're just going to go back to the way the things things were, <laughs> no, and that's no, no. not what's going to happen. There's going to be probably another upswing in cases. They may have to close things again. There may be an upswing in the fall. We we have no idea how long this is going to go for, but I just think people are falsely holding on to this expectation of normalcy. And like you said, there's there's a new normal. Things have changed. Um, and the repercussions are also going to echo for quite a while. Um, and also, probably a better word would have been lice. Like the bugs in your hair? No, no. L-I-T-H-E. Lice. A word for, oh. <laughs> Jesus. I told right. you. Right. Instead, 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 instead of puckered. Lice. Gotcha. Lice. A sleek episode <laughs> of the Geek Down Podcast. Yeah. No doubling back at all. We're just <laughs> eyes forward. Just chugging forward. Heads up, clear hearts, skinny butts the can't lose. The progress is just going to keep on going. Yeah, like, I mean, we're hitting a point now where people are, like, have it both ways a little bit. Like, at least I'm speaking strictly from, like, you know, the Canadian metropolitan Toronto experience where, like, the mayor and the council have been like, you know, y'all been doing good. Cases in Ontario have slowed a bit, but slowing still means 300 people a day, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, some blog TO post or something was like, it's the lowest number of cases in a single day since this whole thing started. I was like, that's great news. 360 people. That's less great news. Yeah. I don't know what y'all consider slow or light, but like that doesn't fill me with a sense of calm. Um, I know parks are supposed to reopen on Monday, but like, you know, with it's, it's not a free-for-all. I think people are, like you said, people are expecting, like, cool, that two months sucked. Let's hit the patios. Nah, son. No. Restaurants are still on takeout. And I think people are going to, people are going to get, I don't know what people are going to get like, because people keep on surprising me, not in a good way. (laughs) Um, We have, I don't know where you're listening from. I don't know if it's the United States and you're used to this or it's another country and you're going to be surprised by this, but we have this group of people who are, it's like this weird mix of like anti-vaxxers, the extreme right, and conspiracy theorists who think that like, for different reasons, all of this is either like it's a ploy by the government or, or you know, we shouldn't have to social distance, like all of that. And they, they come out and they protest. And I I have a feeling the longer this goes on, the more people are going to join that group. And the problem is, as someone said, that facts don't work on these people. You could have a very thorough slideshow presentation explaining everything you need to explain, and they still are going to come out of it thinking it's a government conspiracy. Like they don't want to to think of the truth, and that has been very upsetting for me. <laughs> um, and I I think yeah, the longer this goes on, the more people will find. And I just I hope that the government isn't pressured by them. I hope they don't back down, because by and large in Canada they've done a pretty good job. Can things have been better? Of course they can, but I mean they've they've been pretty good. They've worked together mostly. Every so often, mostly a conservative comes out and is like, brah, 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 about something. And I'm like, for fuck's sake, like, it's a global pandemic. Calm down. Um, this is not the time. 
Um, so, I mean, tied in a little bit to what you're talking about with something interesting I saw shared on ugh, Facebook of all places. Um, but it was actually a good point because, you know, my filter bubble works. Was it written by this person or maybe it must have been her, her name's Stevie Berryman. I don't know what her occupation is, but basically she had written this post saying that, you know, one of the more dangerous ideas that have come about in the last three years, we know what happened three years ago, um, is this idea that like all points of view are valid. You know, you got to hear both sides and then make up your mind for yourself. Nah, son, cause you stupid. <laughs> That's, it's my, it's my interpretation, but like, you know, hear all signs and judge for yourself. It's really like the death of expertise and you should not, that should not be something to be celebrated. Like maybe I am naive. Maybe I'm just a fucking, you know, sheep, but like, I still work under the assumption that if someone has chosen to go into public life and run for public office, they have put some sort of effort and study and labor into that to be a little good at it. Right. Sometimes. So, so the whole like down with big government thing, like I expect my politicians to be smarter than me. I do. And, you know, I expect in a situation like this for doctors to know more than me about it. I would not expect Dr. Anthony Fauci to be able to give a lecture on 1980 city pop. I can, that's my area of expertise. It's probably a, not a very good way to spend my intellectual energies, but it's what I've chosen. I did not chose infectious diseases. He did. He gets to talk about that. It's a little more relevant to the current moment. So I'm gonna defer to him. If you want to talk about bubble era, Japanese pop, come to me. That's my area of expertise, (laughs) but don't be like, you know, okay, you make a valid point. This crank over here with like a, you know, eyeball pyramid uh, avatar wants to tell me what I'm inclined to believe. I'm going to go with him. I heard both sides. No, shut up. <sighs> Done with so that. So weird. This, so this kind of mixes in to things that are of your interest and things that are of my interest. Hmm. I'm going to bring up Al Snow. (laughs) Al Snow, one-time WWE superstar. I believe now head booker and trainer for Ohio Valley Wrestling, who Caitlin discovered. I don't remember when, but. And who is starting the first wrestling college um, that's accredited. I don't know when that's happening now with COVID-19. You know so much about Al Snow. I know. Um, so it's specifically about Al Snow talking about Dave Meltzer. Dave Meltzer, who is a prominent one of, well, he's been at it the longest, I think. Um, he's a terrible broadcaster because he has, you know, everybody's got a broadcast now. But he was the founder, I think, of the Wrestling Observer, which was kind of what they call dirt sheets. It's people who expose the business. He approaches it from journalism. He has sources. Um, he's been wrong as much as he's right. And he also, you know, is a reviewer you know back in the day the uh, the five star you know the melter five star match was like for like indie snobs for like the iwc the internet wrestling community like that's what you cared about what melter had to say i believe i'm i'm sure caitlin's about to tell me that al snow maybe does not have the um brightest opinion <laughs> the sunshiniest opinion so, of dave melter so this is it about dave melter so he says that he doesn't mind that Dave Meltzer is a critic, but that 
the problem is, is that Dave Meltzer has convinced people he's an expert on something he's never done. Right. And that's a problem because uh, Al Snow – I'll actually like – maybe I will actually post this. Very, it's a very short clip of an interview he's doing with someone else, some other commentator in wrestling, about Dave Meltzer and talking about how having, having an opinion is like the lowest form of knowledge. Right. And you can have an informed opinion. You can read and watch and all of that, but it doesn't make you an expert on a subject. Watching every wrestling match does not make you an expert. It makes you very well informed. It makes you informed to possibly be a critic, but not convince people that you are an expert. Like Dave Meltzer can have like a very refined opinion on what he thinks make a quality, makes a quality wrestling match. He can't get in a ring and do that. He can't make that yeah. happen himself. The, the, what he uses as a example is being a doctor. So to be a doctor, you have to do at least seven years of, of schooling to be a doctor. And then you have to do, I don't know how many years of being a resident. Because it's knowledge plus, plus experience makes an expert. Mm. Um, and without it, you can do all the schooling you want. If you don't get that residency part, you can never become a doctor, at least of medicine. Um, and that's I, – I like that example because you have people spouting information, saying they're an expert because they've read up on all this stuff, but they're not. They're not a doctor. They're not trained in immunobiology or – um, in pandemics or any of that, and they're saying, well, this is, this is what is right because I've read a couple papers or articles even, and that just, yeah, I just, I like that example. Um, and I think it's a good way to think of information when you're reading it, even in newspapers. Um, so yeah. That's all I have to say about that. Well, moving on to the only thing that brings us joy in these trying times, uh, I still have no updates on the multitude of packages that I ordered on e-commerce week. Um, there have been some movement by my, uh, you know, protective masks, so I can not have a panic attack every time I leave the house, are due to arrive on April 24th. Wow. So that's good. Well, that's good. Canada Post, it is, um, sorry to be clear, it's May 10th as I'm recording this, April 24th. The masks are going to be here. Thanks for that. The second mask retailer I ordered from, because I didn't think I was ever going to see the five pack I ordered from Bezos, apparently did ship, but now it's in the, also in the Canada Post, uh, my asthma, never to be revealed again. Um, one of my records that I bought from Mondo, one of those reissues, that when they had the free global shipping, uh, after two weeks has finally shipped. By DHL, it actually has the most transparency. Still has not arrived, but may arrive sometime next week. And yeah, my you know dozen records I ordered from Japan. I don't know if I'll ever see those, so that's fun. Um, you, you will see them. It might just be a couple months. You've been having uh, better luck. Yeah. So this is. I was talking to someone about this yesterday. That the consistency with which and when I get packages doesn't make any sense. I'll order one thing say on a Tuesday and it'll be here by Friday for no reason. And it's not useful and it's not a thing that is important. Um, 
and then something that I'm like, oh, I, I really, I really kind of need that for the house will take like a month to come in. Um, and there's, like you said, there's like no tracking on it, nothing. Um, but one of the things that I ordered that really wasn't important, but I'm actually fucking delighted it came in was I ordered a Funko Pop. <laughs> now, this is not the Jessica Fletcher Funko Pop. Is that an official that thing that exists? Is on its way. Wait, but, that, that existed? That came out? That's not a custom? No. No. Didn't I tell you about this? No. Oh, my God. Caitlin. How did I not mention this? Jesus Christ. It was, I was just thoroughly delighted. Obviously. <laughs> I had just been watching, uh, you know, doing data entry and watching Murder, She Wrote, which is probably the only benefit <laughs> Living to, the dream. to working from home. Um, and on one of the commercials on whatever, whether it was, I don't know what I was on, some site, um, there is something that came up about a Jessica Fletcher Funko Pop that sort of had just come out. And I went, and it is Jessica Fletcher with her under-eye bag slash wrinkles, which is phenomenal. And she has a tiny little flashlight. She's wearing a trench coat. She looks amazing. And I was like, absolutely. I have never wanted a Funko Pop so bad in my life. So I ordered it. Very, very happy. It's it's on its way. Great. Didn't need it soon at all. And then I happened to be on that same site, which so, is not it's not Amazon Prime. Sorry, it's like I'm, the I'm looking Funko at Pop it, website. Sorry? I'm I'm looking at the uh, Jessica Fletcher Funko Pop. Uh it's like pop in a box or something. It's one of those things where you can get a monthly service, mm. but I'm not insane. I just wanted the one. But then they also had a She-Hulk, but not any She-Hulk. This is a lawyer She-Hulk Funko Pop, and she has uh, a tiny suit and little high heels and a little briefcase and little glasses and a messy bud. Ah! Oh, God. Oh, God. She's so cute. And I got her, and she's come. And she sits on my desk now. She has arrived? She has arrived. She arrived in like a couple days. It was bizarre. Okay, that that one's good. I'm looking at that one too. That one's all right. What? It's phenomenal. Well, Caitlin, you know there's a very like anti Funko Pop movement out there. We've never addressed this. I've never really wanted to bring it to your attention. Because sometimes why is there an anti anti Funko Pop movement? Because they make these little dead eyed figures that like <laughs> sometimes they're kind of horrifying looking. What? No, she's adorable. I'm Look at her messy bun. <laughs> I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying we have to acknowledge. You got to hear both sides. Sen- se- Sorry, senior correspondent is full of laughing at me as I. <laughs> he says I'm adorable. As you, be- as you become aware of the anti Funko Pop movement. <laughs> he no, he doesn't. I don't know that he knows anything about the anti Funko Pop movement. Yeah. Oh, this was a lim- this was a limited edition, Kate. I didn't even realize that. 2018. 2018. I got it and it was like some. Fan expo ish limited edition thing, and I was like, whatever, it is adorable, and I, I want it. I don't know if you paid this much for it, but somebody doesn't get to talk to me about records anymore. Oh my god, I know I would, I did not pay a lot of money for this. <laughs> anyway, moving on. I'm happy you got your Funko Pops. I'm happy somebody's getting joy in the mail. I'm not. All I'm gonna get is masks when they show up. There is some news out there 
I will get through this there quickly. Is? Yeah, I saw three things, two of which we'll get through quickly, one of which we'll spend slightly more time on, but not a ton more time. Um, so the latest, um, or what will be, I believe, the newest behemoth to enter the streaming wars may not affect us in Canada, but for those of you in the States, when uh, HBO Max finally fires up, um, this will be basically... It's going to have all the HBO stuff. I believe this is where Friends is ending up. A lot of other, I don't know what networks are going to be or what studios are going to be involved with this, but basically, you know, it's Warner Media. So it's Warner Television as well. So I know like Big Bang Theory ends up there, hoopty doo. But like every HBO show, a lot of the stuff we probably have in Canada on Crave is going to end up there. And apparently I did not know that HBO, not HBO, but like Warner Media has a stake in Crunchyroll or like really? owns it outright and are. Not pillaging everything from the Crunchyroll catalog to throw into HBO Max, but like a really kind of bizarre selection of <laughs> titles, some of which we have talked about on the show. Um, Kill a Kill will be going on there. Erased will be going on there. Hunter x Hunter and Death Note. Your Lion April. Berserk. It's just a real Full Metal Alchemist. Wow. ReZero. And then as well, oddly enough, that uh, Keep Your Hands Off Aizuken, that one about the three, the one from a couple seasons ago about the three teenagers starting a... Uh, who want to get an anime that one's in there as well. I don't know. It's, it's a real weird selection, but I mean, it's just interesting to me that now, like you kind of have to have anime on any of these, like every streaming service has at least a little bit anime right. in there, whether they've, they're producing it themselves, like, you know, Netflix or Amazon used to, I don't think Amazon does much anymore, but you know, Netflix recently, their last big hit, well, they had the, they're responsible for the new ghost in the shell, Studio Trigger's latest, which is out in Japan, but it'll be coming to uh, North American Netflix probably in a month or so. Uh, Brand New Animal, or BNA, that's that's out there. But yeah, the powers that be at Warner and HBO Max decided they needed some they needed some anime, so they already had it. They already had the licenses to it, so they're just like, yoink, put that over there. Um, so that's one item of news. Second item of news, because a week cannot go by where I don't have to talk about fucking Star Wars. No! I don't think and I love it when you do. I don't think this is a huge surprise to anybody that uh, Taika Waititi has been tapped to write and direct something, something for Star Wars. We don't know what, but that's fun. That's exciting. Um, I mean, this dude got an Oscar now, so I mean, he basically walks in and he's just like, "It's." I'm hoping this turns into a real Ryan Coogler Black Panther thing, where he walks in and be is like, you know, you need me more than I need you. Like this is fun for me, but like I don't have to be here. Right. I don't think Taika has any, like, slavish devotion to, you know, he wasn't really concerned about pissing off the Thor stands when he did Ragnarok, right? Like, I don't think. Right. And funny, I um, I know we're going to get into what we watch, but I watched the, uh, it's called Disney Gallery Star Wars The Mandalorian, and they had a sit down with all of the directors. Right. And it was like a round table. Which one did he, and they he had do? The, did he do the last one or the second last one or? I think I think that he did two. Oh no, no, he did the last one. Yeah, doing last doing one. work chat, right? Like, yeah, that was it. It was yeah, it was it was the IG uh, eleven that was like to- that's right. He did the IG eleven voice he did the in the voice first one. For, yeah, yeah, and then he directed the last one, which was just like it totally had his stamp and yet still felt like Star Wars, mm-hmm. um, which is something that they go into in the in the. I guess it's like a mini documentary about the series. Um, 
yeah, it was really interesting though. And we are also now free of the Skywalkers. So dear God, here's hoping we can just do something that is. I'm really hoping that they do, um, they do good things with like the, remember I was talking about they're doing, it's, it's called the High Republic. Mm. Um, right, right. Because as someone, as well, as I pointed out to senior correspondent Chris, and I'm sure other people have said this, like I don't think I'm a genius or anything, but you're not calling it the old republic when you're in the republic at that time. It's like no one called the First World War the First World War. How much of a pessimist do you have to be to call it the First (laughs) World War um, when it's happening? So, yeah, so I think High Republic is a good name for it, but they're doing a lot of stuff around that. Most of it right now they're talking about it being um, written uh, written content, like comic books right, and right. novels and stuff. But I could see them diving into that world to get television and, and feature-length films and stuff. And I hope they do because it's a really interesting uh, world. So that was the one bit of uh, that business. The other one, I guess, um, which I don't think would have come as a huge surprise to you or any of the other uh, spur boot, uh, spurred boot observers of uh, the first season of The Mandalorian, but it's been confirmed that uh, Boba Fett is making his return in Mandalorian Season 2. Yes, I heard that. Seems odd to throw that out in a tweet, but considering they kept Baby Yoda under wraps for, you know, a year and a half or whatever. Seems Except odd just we to be already like, knew that because we, we you, saw Boba Fett. You and, knew that. <laughs> but then everybody knew that because everyone was like, oh my god, it's Boba Fett. There are a lot of people out there who could like recognize Boba Fett and not have taken notice that he had spurs on his boots. I'm sorry. That's extra, extra. It's like a classic book. Bo- Kate, okay, that's your area of expertise. Been- I'm deferring to you. That's your area of expertise. <laughs> you can't talk about infectious diseases. You are well informed about the sartorial choices of Mandalorians. <laughs> Amazing. So not everyone is going to know that. I'm just saying after it happened, it was pretty widespread that people were like, oh, this must mean that, you know, Boba Fett's going to show up. So I don't know. Are we we getting season two before the end of the year? Is that, had they wrapped shooting on it before the world? I'm actually on the page right now. Um, Apparently the season will premiere October 2020, the second, second season. Oh, there you go. Lord knows we'll need something by then. I am a little... I don't want to say... Do you have quibbles? Okay, do you have quibbles? We've got quibbles. About second season, but it's looking a little sausagey. <laughs> You're getting your girl for God knows how long. I know, but I'm saying about the directors. Ah, the directors. Yeah. I mean, listen, not to speak for the vaginas, but who would want it at this point? What do you mean? Who wants that poison chalice at this point? You can go do. I meant, I meant for directing second season of Mandalorian. I just mean in general. Why do you want? Why if you're a woman direct? If you're if you're a woman who's a director, why do you even want to touch Star Wars at this point? Because it's a huge, huge in on directing other things. Perhaps. Like, do you do you think that Deborah Chow is is not getting more work now? Because I can tell you she is. Well, her fucking Obi-Wan show is question mark. So I'm sure she's doing fine. I'm sure anybody, I'm sure Leslie Headland would have been doing fine without Star Wars. Mm, not women. Women are, especially female directors, are constantly not being given chances. 
and also like as a as a director I know it's a difficult proposition but the idea of being able to take something and then make it like a poison chalice like you said but turn it around that is kind of exciting I think I mean if that's your if if that's your take as a as a director more power to you I would not I would not want it the chuds are not worth it to me <laughs> So um, can I? I'm sorry. This is just because I'm looking at the directors. The only one that I am like, fuck yes. Uh, Carl Weathers is directing I'm sorry, an episode. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's early in the Caitlin. It's early in the morning, so I can't. <laughs> when we're recording, so it's before noon. I can't do it. You know I want to. <laughs> Are you telling me that Carl Weathers is dire- directing an episode of Mando? <laughs> Mando. Oh my god! That yes, just that just made me so happy. Um, well, October, 2020, Kate says you'll be getting more Mandalorian and Boba Fett and Ahsoka Tano in your life. Moving on the last bit of news and a, and a bit of giving credit where due. We had an awful lot of plaudits to lay at the feet of black Twitter last week, rightly so. And well-deserved white Twitter sometimes just needs its moment. And its moment came last week, last week with the reveal via her Patreon account that singer amanda palmer has apparently split from beloved by both of us i'm i think it was safe to say author fantasy and sci-fi author neil gaiman which was an odd pairing i thought but i mean it's not my life i have always found amanda palmer slightly off i have no (laughs) i have no hesitation in saying that not really my bag she was formerly the singer one half of a group called the Dresden Dolls, and now has just kind of like been doing her thing, and has always had a certain flavor of self-promotion and pretentiousness to her. Is that fair? I mean, I don't know if that's fair, but sure. (laughs) She has taken her lumps, rightly so or not, for getting, putting herself on a soapbox of like, support you know i'm subverting the music industry and i want to go out and do this tour this was a few years ago and really what kind of like elevated her q rating a bit um i want to go out and i want to do this tour and i want to share my music with you but i need your help and she does this kickstarter campaign makes all this money so now she can go on tour she can tour the country playing her music for her fans and but she needs backing musicians and the backing musicians can like you know get hugs and ex- and exposure i believe is what they were getting paid and people went that seems odd she's had a handful of that seems odd moments since not the least of which was announcing up on patreon apparently before neil gaiman knew that she had split from neil gaiman who she was married to at this point in a what seemed a complicated open relationship sort of thing again not my bag not my place to speak to also, I don't want to get too far into it or take sides because I do think, um, what do we know? We know she wrote this when Neil Gaiman, they were in New Zealand quarantining. Neil Gaiman left New Zealand to go back to the UK. Should be said, Neil Gaiman has a four-year-old with Amanda Palmer. So dude left his four-year-old in New Zealand to go to the UK. On the one hand, sick burn. On the other hand, are there no villas in New Zealand you could quarantine at? To be near your child, that seems sus to me. But again, Gaiman has, you know, expressed a desire for kindness and privacy. I don't know how much of the latter 
he will get, considering his ex's penchant for uh, revealing. But white Twitter seems to have been waiting for this moment. (laughs) (laughs) I only managed to get two uh, screen capped. One that I didn't get screen capped was basically like, you know, do we now have to stop pretending we care about Amanda Palmer? The other two were, um, you know, the meme of the two, the, the two sides and then the handshake in the middle. Yep. On one side, Amanda Palmer's marriage. On the other side, Amanda Palmer's eyebrows. The handshake. Drawn on for too long. Ooh. Damn, son. And the other one I saw, which was from from classic, Pixelated Boat. At Pixelated Boat. Sad to hear someone finally subscribe to Amanda Palmer's Patreon at the $500 Divorce Neil Gaiman tier. Shots fired! Shots fired! Wow. White Twitter. You are far inferior to black Twitter. Yes, you are. But this is this is really like this is like the Renfair Kim and Kanye splitting up. Like it's really it's really it's a sense of celeb rubbernecking that 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 corner of fandom doesn't really get to engage with that often. Um, no, I just feel I guess I just feel, you know, I mean, it's that payoff in some ways where you're famous and you shouldn't be surprised that people take an interest in your love life. But I also feel really bad for people because they can't just, like, have a meltdown in private. <laughs> yeah. Like, they can't have their life fall apart and just deal with it on their own. Um, the one addition – sorry, there was the one uh, additional note to this. Again, it's the most – it's the most Renfair white person sort of version of this. Like, normally in something like this, you expect somebody's Instagram to get hacked and, like, you know – post weird photoshopped shit and like distakes or something like that. Apparently over the weekend, somebody hacked Neil Gaiman's Goodreads. Right. And updated his status to say, Neil Gaiman is reading splitting, protecting yourself while divorcing someone with borderline or narcissistic personality disorder. Oh my God. That was up for a handful of hours. As people went, oh my god, the shade! And he had to be like, yo, that's what I get for not doing anything with Goodreads for, you know, a long time. But he has since clarified, it was not him. He's not reading that book. We talk about it because it's news. It's the only time I'm going to talk about it because there was a four-year-old involved. But yeah, to announce it on Patreon before apparently telling her estranged husband she was going to announce it on Patreon. Very, very on brand. All I'll say about that. Well, that closes the third tab of news. Caitlin McKinnon. Yeah. What you been watching? Um, a bunch of stuff, actually. I was really excited because I was like, I'm going to get to talk about things. Not that I just talk about every week, but new stuff. New stuff. Yeah. So uh, we'll start with TV. Um, Clone Wars is finished. Yes. It was a weird season. I mostly enjoyed it, but there were, like, the beginning was slow. Um, I think I know what they were doing. You know, they were trying to even more so humanize the clones in Clone, War, mm-hmm. Clone Wars. Um, and that set up for uh, Order 66, which, if you don't know, because you're not a big Star Wars fan, basically that's the order that the clones have embedded in their, like, a chip in their brain that um, is triggered when... Palpatine says it commenced Order 66, which is the um, killing of all Jedi, um, which is a huge big deal. And 
is very, very sad. And they showed it from Ahsoka's perspective. Um, and it was really, it was really interesting. It was really well done. Um, Maul features heavily in like the second half of the, the um, season, uh, which is great because that's been something standard for Clone Wars. Um, and also for Rebels, like he does have a place and I'm, I'm glad that that's canon um, because it was a lot of fun. And it was a character that was really wasted in the prequel series. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Filoni did a good job bringing him back. Um, anyways, sad it's over, but glad we'll see Ahsoka in other content. Um, she's come a long way, and she's super cool, and pew, pew, pew. Anyways, um, <laughs> next is... Uh, a show, so I kind of delved into Disney because I have a subscription and yes, I love watching Disney classics um, and some of their television shows like Gravity Falls, but I also wanted to check out what else is there because you do want to get your money's worth Um, and so I watched an episode of a a series called Prop Culture um, which is all about this guy who adores movies. I don't know what he does, but basically in the series, he um, collects props and he basically talks to people about those movies. In this episode, it was the uh, Nightmare Before Christmas and he got to talk to basically everybody but Tim Burton mm-hmm. um, about and and about the, uh, about the movie and, and sort of how it came about and, and some of the props and how they did what they did. And it was really, really interesting. Um, but I was like, uh, not really in the mood for any of the other episodes. Um, and so we moved on to this series called The Imagineering Story. And I didn't know this, but basically the people who design rides and features for the theme pop parks are called Imagineers. And it was a six-part um, documentary about like the start of the theme parks to the present day. And it was fucking fascinating. This is very on brand. (laughs) It was just, it was this culmination of things I find really interesting. So like technology, rides, design, art. Um, They talk about the different parks around the world, what, why they didn't do very well in some cases, why they did do well. They talk about, they have a huge section about uh, Japan's theme park, now one of two. Um, It just, it was really, really interesting and fascinating and getting to know the people involved, getting to see the technology and their relationships to each other and, and, you know, learning about Epcot, like just all of that. I know people have problems with Disney and definitely you you should and you should question things and the but the one big thing out of the series that now i can rub in any fucking face of any mom who's like disney's not not for childless grown-ups actually it is (laughs) it specifically is they even say it a bunch of times that disney should it should be for kids as well as adults trying to have fun again and there margaret there karen susan janice trish trish i have just as much right to be there as your seven-year-old 
Kiss my ass, brother fucker. Anyways. It was fascinating, and I really actually, if anyone's interested in Disney or the Disney theme parks, it was definitely um, something you should watch. It was fascinating. Or if you're just interested in, like, props and technology and entertainment, also really cool. Um, so that was the TV I watched. Uh, if you don't count the YouTube click, clips of television shows that I watched... <laughs> Which is a weird experience, because I'm pretty sure if anyone knew how many clips of a TV show I watched, they'd just be like, why don't you just watch the show? Listen, like, I, I don't really want to watch the show. I went through an entire batch of, like, Old Chappelle Show clips the other weekend. <laughs> I didn't bring it up on the yeah. show, but I definitely spent an hour watching Old Chappelle Show clips. Pretty sure I might even still have oh. those DVDs somewhere. So all week it's been... So I, I kind of vaguely heard about it, because I am a huge Law & Order fan. So one thing I was watching was old, like I'm talking like old 90s Law and Order clips. Um, and I'm so I, I love Law and Order. And Dick Wolf has done, he's the producer, he's basic creator of Law and Order. He's done a bunch of neat stuff, but he has this series called it's like the Chicago series, and it's kind of an interesting concept. It's uh, there's three shows. There was a fourth, but it didn't do very well. Um, it was Chicago Med, Chicago PD, and Chicago Fire. And all the characters are seen on the other shows. So when the police go to the hospital to check on, like, a gunshot wound patient or possibly, like, a rape victim, those characters, they'll, they'll go to that hospital and you'll see those characters from Chicago Med and then when Chicago Med like comes and gives them some diagnosis or something, they'll you still see them on Chicago PD and vice versa, and you know Chicago Fire will end up on like just the characters sort of interweave into the three shows. Um, but it's not it's okay, but it's they're very just like regular procedurals, they're regular like hospital dramas. But for some reason, I just got, like, super addicted to watching clips. And they have some good characters and stuff, but I just like watching, like, Grey's Anatomy or um, a regular police procedural. Law and Order was very different because the writing was much better than most police procedurals. And you got both sides of it, right? You got the police part and you got the law part. Um, other TV shows I watched on YouTube in clips were Downton Abbey. Which I've never actually, I think I saw maybe the first season of Down Abbey, and I was what? like, eh, that's fine. What? Just, um, I said earlier that, you know, the Imagineering story was very on-brand. It's very off-brand for you not to watch Down Abbey. I just, I don't know. It's just like Are you being a hipster? Being Are you being a hipster about Down Abbey? I'm not being a hipster about Down Abbey. It's the Down one British Abbey. TV show that everybody decided I to watch. I can understand why I would enjoy it, but at the same time. I have other snooty rich people things that I watch, so. Um, and just, like, some of the characters are just so unlikable. Like, that Mary, she's one of the daughters. She's just awful. She's an awful person. Mary and you're like, gets, why do I want to watch an she awful gets person? better in later seasons. Sorry? She gets better in later seasons. Mm, not from the clips I saw, but that's okay. <laughs> um, so, that's one. Shit's Creek, weirdly. So... Shit's Creek, the reason I have not watched it is something that Jordan and I have spoken about before, which is Canadian television in general. <laughs> it 
has a look and it has a feel and there are some things that come out that are actually really good and I was talking I think last week about the show Cardinal that people in Scotland were like oh my god it's such an amazing show how have you not seen it and I'm like probably because it's Canadian television and I try and stay away sorry you're like eh Canadian eh Canadian um but Shit's Creek in later seasons, and I've been told this by a couple of people, get, get, gets much better. And I was watching clips, and I was actually laughing out loud. For any show to make me do that, particularly a Canadian show, that's impressive. Um, and then and, – and that's it. Those are, the, those are the four things on YouTube I watched. And then there was a bunch of movies. And I'll, I'll, I'm going to tell you the movies, and I'll tell you – a little bit about them, but then we have to get something to re- something really important. Oh, Jesus, all right. Yeah, so um, I talked about the Disney Gallery, uh, Star Wars, The Mandalorian. It's basically a roundtable with the directors. Um, it, I think it's like an hour or something, maybe not even that long. Um, it was good, fun watch if you like The Mandalorian. Um, and then I, saw, I watched last week two other movies that I've seen before, uh, Penelope. And Betty and June, um, both fun romantic comedies, unlike Hope Floats. But anyways, and finally, I think I mentioned last week that senior correspondent Chris and I were going on musical date night. Yes. And that this week we were going to try and watch Six, which is about the Six Wives, wives of Henry VIII. Apparently, it's a great musical. It's pretty recent, but he could not find it. Could not find it. And he looked at me and he goes, what about cats? Because we know I've never seen cats. Mm-hmm. I was obsessed with it as a child because of the commercial and I was obsessed with cats and I had a cat shirt, but I've never seen it. And I known that there was like a lot about how like there's not, it's sort of a mixed match story. Cats is kind of crazy. And we watched cats and the dancing was great. And the music, some of the songs, not the lyrics, but the songs were were beautiful. And the costuming was fantastic. But Cats the Musical is a fucking trash fire. Are we just going to save the movie for Crapathon this year and we'll just both make ourselves watch it? Absolutely we are. Because I can't even imagine, like, I don't, people have said Cats is good. Were they watching the musical? Like, did they go see, actually see it? Are they blind? Are they, like, deaf? What? I don't understand. Cats the musical is the worst. There should be no reason why that musical went on for years. It should have stayed off Broadway. Like, trash fire. Nothing happens. There's no story. Can anyone tell me what a Jellicoe cat is? Actually, <laughs> about to be like, no, they can't. It's like Kate Jellicles. You know what, Jordan? Hmm. I won't even. I would not even make you watch this. We're gonna watch the movie because it's gonna be funny, and we're gonna be like, "Wow, that was terrible." Because I, people who are like, "Oh, the 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 musical was good. Why is the movie so bad?" You've never <laughs> seen the musical. I don't believe you've seen the musical. Because there's no way you could make a good movie out of this fucking trash fire. It is terrible. It is so bad. It was like there was a moment where senior correspondent Chris, Chris looked at me and was like, "Do you want to turn this off?" <laughs> we were like a quarter of the way through. 
And I almost, I was almost said yes, but then I was like, no, I, I have to see this through because it's now like a badge of honor that I've sat through Cats the Musical. If we'd gone to see it in the 90s, we would have walked out at intermission, maybe even before. There's this hope as you watch it that you think maybe there'll be a plot soon or something will happen. There will be a conflict. Nope. There's a cat orgy. Oh, Jesus. Um, well, I mean, what else do you need? A cat that does magic. Is it Mr. Mephistopheles? It is Mr. Mephistopheles. He's the magical Absolutely Mr. Mephistopheles. It is the magical Mr. Mephistopheles. He is the most magical cat. There is a bad cat named McCafferty. I know because they said his name like 50 fucking thousand times, and then he showed up for like a second, stole the the leader cat, and then literally the next song, Magic Mr. Mephistopheles brought him back because he is the most magic cat. What kind of conflict is that? Who? Andrew Lloyd Webber. Stop. Stop it. Whatever drugs you were on, stop it. Anyways, that is our rant about cats. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if it's a hot take, but... Fresh fire. I don't know if it is a hot take. All I've ever heard was that, you know, cats is sort of like out there, but it's it's good. No, it's not. The songs aren't good. They have like three good songs. And one of them is Magic Mr. Mistopheles, and it's not even that good. It's just like fun to sing. Kate? Yeah. Can you all please watch Spider-Man turn out the dark? Aren't you? <laughs> I'm never gonna. All the songs are done by you, too. Yeah, but you don't want to. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Anyways, that's it. That's it. That's all I've got. All yep. right. Updates, things that we have talked about before on the show. Last Dance is my Monday Monday uh, evening appointment viewing. I'm like a day behind because everybody else gets to watch it on Sunday nights on whatever, ESPN, what have you. I have to wait till Monday night on Netflix. This week, we dealt with the Bulls winning their first titles, as well as like the the shoe brand. We learned how Air Jordans became a thing. And how he did not uh, want to go with Nike early on. He wanted to go with Adidas. And Adidas was a mess at the time and was like, yeah, we just, we ain't, we can't do it. <laughs> We're not in a position to put out a, put out a shoe with you. And I'm sure somebody probably, you know, once they killed themselves over that, but like, whoo, what a miss <laughs> that, what a miss that was in the 80s. Um, as well as got a little bit into, you know, the era where, Jordan kind of, well, a couple things. One, uh, the Olympics, the dream team, which is when like they let pros play in the, uh, on the Olympic basketball team. And the rumor at the time that Jordan was not about having Isaiah Thomas make that team. Jordan maintains that nobody wanted to play with Isaiah, that the bad boys era had burned too many bridges. Anyway, um, yeah, really kind of dealing with that era where the sheen was starting to come off of Jordan a little bit, where, like, it came out about his gambling, which he always maintained was just something he enjoyed doing. It ties into his, like, obsessive competitiveness. It shows clips of him, like... You can't be 
sorry, you can't be competitive in gambling. <laughs> like, that's just not part of the nature of gambling. It's just another way to win, though, right? Like, it's another way to... Was, what was a line somebody said? Might have been Paxson was saying, you know, he played like, you know, penny poker in the front of uh in the front of the bus where like the you know, where the high stakes cards were going on in the back with like, you know, Pippin and Horace Grant and guys like and Jordan and guys like that. And Jordan would come up to the front of the bus and be like, oh, let me get let me get in with you guys. And Paxson would be like, What do you wanna what do you want to get in with us? Like we're playing for like five dollars a hand type of thing. Like it's like it's small time. And Jordan was like yeah, but I want to know that I'm walking around with your money in my pocket. Oh, my God. That's, that's how dude got down. Um, as well, spend a little time on his... There was an election in the 90s between a guy named Harvey Gant and the incumbent Jesse Holmes. And Jesse Holmes was a... His name is kind of shorthand for racist at this point. Um, he was really against affirmative action and elements of integration and things like that. And played into, you know, white racial fears to win a slim victory over Harvey Gann, who could have been the first black, uh, I think it was congressman, in North Carolina. Um, was it North Carolina? Jordan's home area. And Jordan never really got political about it and dropped an infamous line, Republicans buy sneakers too. Oh, shit. And he took some heat for that. And to his credit, because this is basically, let's be honest, Jordan financed this. This is basically a Jordan propaganda piece. He didn't have to leave in the clip of Barack Obama, former Chicago resident. That's what they credit him as. Um, oh, wow. Going on about how, like, at the time when he was just starting to, like, he may have just graduated law school. He was starting to think about a you know career in public life, that type of thing. And to be disappointed that that was, you know. Jordan maintains he contributed, you know, he cut a check to Harvey Gantt and his campaign. You know, he supported him financially, but didn't want to get out there and, like, you know, do a commercial or shit like that. And did say that line about Republicans buying sneakers, too, and how that was kind of, you know, to the black community especially, very disappointing. And gave them pause. Right. When they, as far as, like, what they thought of him as, you know, a role model. And to be fair, he was being held up to an impossible standard at that point anyway. I mean, I don't know if you remember, there was a Gatorade campaign called Be Like Mike. Like, that was a thing. You know, Jesus Christ. Be, li be Like Mike. He's like the pinnacle. Like, you sh everyone should aspire to be like him. Well, that's impossible to live with. Like, right. No, nobody can deal with that. And credit to him that really, you know, aside from some, some gambling and some, you know, dickish behavior to teammates and management. Because, man, the last thing you ever wanted was for somebody to somebody, not you, but for anybody to say that to praise you in any way around Jordan. Cause that you were going to have a terrible night. Oh God. He would just sun you. That's awful. He would just sun you all night. They were not, I remember what year it was, but they were playing the Phoenix suns, Charles Barkley's team. And you know, he, he's already hates the management at this point. And you know, word got back that management thought this guy, Dan Marley, hell of a defensive player. He's a great defensive player. We'd love to have him on the bulls. Jordan was like, yeah, I'll show you what a great defensive player he is. Just suns him all night. <laughs> Marley has like the worst night of his life. Thank God. That's how dude was. Anyway, still great sitting on Netflix. It's fantastic. Um, what else? Dark Side of the Ring. Uh, forgot to mention it last week. We've now had two episodes. One about a guy. I can't remember. Herb Abrams might have been his name. A story I never heard about. He was a dude who in the 90s... Um, you know, similar to like an AEW situation, tried to start a league, tried to start a federation in the nineties. And in, I don't know what era he was running in California, basically. 
long story short, Herb Abrams really liked cocaine. And okay, <laughs> he he came close. Like he he had a lot of talent. Signed, Mick Foley was one of the like an early signing. One of Mick Foley's first you know runs in a federation was uh was with the UWF, which is what this was called. Yeah, he do just like coke too much and. <laughs> Got a little. Well, that'll do it. That'll cocaine is a hell of a drug. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Um, and the episode that aired the week before was about this guy David Schultz, who was apparently like I knew a little bit about him, but like when I started paying attention as a kid, he was already he had already been uh, blackballed at that point because at the time this guy John Stossel, who was a journalist with Twenty Twenty, basically did a report on Twenty Twenty exposing the business, basically. And this is an era where guys like this guy, David Schultz, you know, kayfabe or, you know, maintaining the illusion was like paramount. Like you didn't sell out the business like that. So now you have John Stossel talking to this guy, David Schultz. And Schultz is like, Vince told me to go talk to the guy. Like Vince sent me out there for a reason. And Stossel basically says the F word fake, which to this day, don't ever say it around a wrestler. Um, he says, I think it's fake. And Schultz just smacks him upside the head. Hard. Takes the dude down. And then the dude gets back up. And Schultz is one of these guys where it's like, if he gets back up, put him down again. <laughs> like, that's just how that's just how he, he handled things. And dude gets back up. Schultz smacks him again. And, like, this was all on film. It was all camera. Vince gets sued. Somebody's got to take the fall. Schultz is basically the guy who gets, you know, blackballed and burned for it. He's pretty chill about it now. He had a great career. He formed a great career as a bounty hunter. <laughs> oh, <laughs> of all right. things. Well. Yeah, that was just a, I was a story I knew a little bit about, but not a ton. Um, what else is out there? So new things, I guess, um, have been reading, continuing getting my Japanese history as well. It occurred to me that um, I bought them on site years ago, but I don't think that I've ever really read them. And that is the... Uh, two volumes of the wax poetics anthology which is basically wax poetics is a magazine just for me and people like me it was like a crate digger it started in 2000 and it was like a you know you'd have an article about you know a hip-hop act and then maybe an article about the guy who did the original song that was sampled in the hip-hop act's most famous you know record like i cracked it open the first article in there is about you know jazz drummer idris muhammad and that's like oh okay we're off to a good start this will be a fantastic, this will be a fantastic afternoon. So yeah, I've been digging into those. Those have been enjoyable. Uh, you know, talk about YouTube. I'm on my way to bed on, I think it was Friday night, randomly throw up YouTube and I see that they're just showing full length aqua concerts in the middle of the night on the Love Live channel. Oh. That kept me up too you late. didn't sleep. I was going to say, you didn't sleep at all. I, I cut the line. I caught it right in the, uh, so they always have like solo moments because there's nine of them, right? And then there'll be, everybody gets a solo song. I caught it right at the uh, at the moment where they were doing their solos, and so I went through the solo songs and then cut it after that. They, I was like, if the next song's good, I'll watch it. If it's not, I'm going to bed. And it wasn't good, so I went to bed. <laughs> Sidebar regarding various voice actresses and stuff. I cannot wait to whenever we get to be in a room together again, and I get to show you things I watch on YouTube. Reveal to you the joy that is voice actress Maho Tomita, who mm-hmm. she, when I was like. It was a game that I had not, I had, I played it for a bit because it was just like, oh, a new waifu game, but the waifus were not that compelling and I didn't, the story was a little weird. It was called Review Starlight and it's another, it's by the same sort of parent company that does Bang Dream and Love Live and all that stuff, but it's more like musical theater 
Like stage girls are what they're called. So a lot of the like voice actresses, that's their background doing like Sailor Moon musicals and shit like that. So, I mean, musical theater types, I mean, we've all seen Glee. We know, we know what that's like. So I ran across this one. So Iba Ina, who does the voice, does one of the voices in Bang Dream of the like really somber, like super serious girl in the goth band. She's also in Review Starlight and the character she plays is Rivals with the character that Mao Tamita plays. So they do a lot of stuff together. These weird little like, you know, voice actress type stuff. The agency that they're with has a show called Hibiki Style. Okay. Little, like 10 minute, 20 minute videos about, you know, stuff that the actresses are into or whatever. Or like today it's about makeup or it's about, it's a girly show. They were doing one where I was the host and they were doing a cooking relay, which was basically like one person is blindfolded. One person starts cooking and then they switch. And the second person has to try to figure out what the first person was cooking. That's okay. That's fun. But basically from the moment, <laughs> Mao Tamita, her nickname's Mahone. She is such a spaz. It's so delightful. Like, Ai, who is not anything like her character in Bang Dream at all. She's also kind of spazzy. She right. introduces, she's in, like, the kitchen studio. And she's like, this is what we're doing today. I'm not alone. Join my guest today. You know, we work together on Review Starlight. It's like, oh, Mao Tamita. And just running through the shot screaming comes this, like, six-foot-tall, you know, statuesque, gorgeous Japanese girl. But just, like, running through the shot going, <laughs> And then comes back into the shot screaming again. And then, like, when she's blindfolded, she's pretending she's, like, a four-year-old screaming about how mom she's hungry. And at one point, she's, like, bashing her hands around the table. And I looks over and sees she's about to, like, grab a knife by the blade. And is like, Jesus. <laughs> okay, so she sounds like fun. And every time I see a clip of her, she's, like, lying on the floor. or like, And she they're always dolled up for these, right? She's in, like, these, like, you know very severe you know plaid trousers and high heels and she's like on the literally lying on the floor because she like lost a game or something like she's she's delightful i followed her on instagram immediately she really likes herb gardening that's what i take from her instagram account um so that was kind of the youtube type side of things and uh only other item of netflix note i um i took a screenshot of my netflix notices this week and put it on twitter to kind of back up your uh claim that netflix is in full heat check mode right because the uh it was like watch the last dance watch oh what's that what's the adventure time one the one watch the midnight gospel watch never have i ever like it's just like all these shows that had nothing to do with each other yeah. on the push notifications and i was like kate might be right about this and one I of the i am totally right about this it's still <laughs> happening one of the shows in there i was like was this show monthly girls nozaki kun and number one fan kira popped in and was like yeah but that show's actually good though and i'd heard the show was good before and i went to uh check it out and it's not reinventing the wheel it's basically a show about a high school you know dude high schooler is actually a successful shoujo girls comics he's got a you know he's in the shonen the shoujo beat or whatever whatever the equivalent of shonen jump is fictionalized in this world he's got a series that runs in that and the girl who's in love with him ends up kind of like becoming his assistant and, you know, other stuff is, you know, other characters join. There's a character who is clearly, I mean, I'm going to say she's a Kaoru type from Bang Dream, but she she may have been, this character may have been first, but I met Kaoru first. So to me, she's a Kaoru ripoff, um, who is very much like all, you know, she dresses very masculine and all the girls love her type of thing. She's the prince of the school type of thing. Right. Um, <laughs> but there's little moments that are enjoyable, like where he's like, there, I have no read on the main character, like Nozaki-kun. I have no read on him. He's just so, like, 
straight mouth emoji. Like, no up or down with that dude. I don't know what his vibe is at all um, or why she's into him. That has, like, no no effect. Um, some of the supporting characters are, like, like I said, the prince of the the prince of the school who's also in the drama club. So, like, you know, a lot of hack and eye tendencies there. And as well, Nozaki's best friend, I think, is the guy who tries to be, like, the beautiful boy type but gets embarrassed every time he does it. <laughs> like, Amazing. every time he tries to say something smooth, he, like, does the boy, he does the smooth boy pose. And then yeah. it'll show, like, the girl watching him and he slowly gets more and more embarrassed. <laughs> Uh, that's amazing. But there was a joke okay. about how Nozaki was like, I need to go people watch so I can, like, you know, get some ideas for, you know, phases and stuff. And she's like, well, what happens if you don't? <laughs> it's just like, it's showing scenes from his comic, but everybody has the same face because he can only draw one face. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you have to choose between us. And there's like three guys with the same face. Anyway, amazing. for something that just hit the autoplay on on Netflix, it's, uh, it's all right. But the big event this week, Kate... Yeah. I took out the old iPad and I fired up an application and I engaged in a little bit of what I'm going to call canopy cleanup. Canopy cleanup. Canopy like cleanup. It. Fired up the old canopy app. So let's ding off a few things that, uh, that have been on the watch list for a while. So we watched time is Illmatic, a documentary on the rapper Nas leading up to okay. the creation of his first album. Meh, it was all right. Six out of 10, whatever. It doesn't really ever get too far into anything. Like, it gets into his life a little bit, and then gets a little bit into the making of the album a little bit, and then it's back to, you know, his friend who got killed a little bit. That was actually the most interesting part, was, like, going back to his old neighborhood, and, like, his brother giving a tour, and, like, basically talking about, like, you know, his brother getting shot, um, basically, like, in front of their house, like, in one of the housing projects, and, like recovering and then having to go back out onto the same block. And he's like, eh, that, that's traumatizing. Like <laughs> that's yeah. trauma. We all live with that. And then I went to maybe not the uh, smartest hang, but something I wanted to watch for a while, which was the James Baldwin documentary. I'm not your Negro. Oh, okay. I don't know anything about that one. I haven't seen it. It's basically, it's takes a lot of the letters that James Baldwin wrote. Um, in the seventies, perhaps he was going to work on a project kind of comparing and contrasting the lives of Malcolm X, Meg Revers, and Martin Luther King, and it's kind of letters to his editors, interspersed with interview clips of him on talk shows, and clips from movies and contemporary life and things like that, and uh, yeah, it'll really make you feel great about all the progress that we've made in the years since. Are you taking, are you saying that sarcastically? <laughs> no. You're saying that. It no. Because it definitely sounded sarcastic, and I was like, uh... oh God. You know, in a week where, uh, you know, Ahmaud Avery and Sean Reed both get killed by cops. Like, not by cops, one by cops, one by idiots. Yeah. It's not a real, uh, it's not a real chill hang for, if you have any interest in, uh, you know, race relations. But, well done. And the other thing that I wanted to get to, I didn't even think I knew it was on Canopy, but it was there. It's even in the, uh, in the credit-free slot, I think. Um, are you familiar, do you remember the movie Downhill? It was a Will Ferrell, Julia, Louis Dreyfus movie that looked really slapstick and stupid that came out in the last year. Like just a little while ago? Yeah. Yes. So that's not the movie I watched. That movie is ostensibly a remake of a Swedish movie called Force Majeure. Oh, okay. And they took the one hook from Force Majeure and apparently made it into a really stupid kind of slapstick movie. Right. I would love 
to give you this movie, but I think it probably does not pass the tension test for you. Downhill or force majeure? Force majeure. Fuck downhill. I didn't see downhill. I saw force majeure. Okay. <laughs> just checking. I just, you know, I go, yeah, okay. So, and this could ostensibly be considered a spoiler, um, but it happens in like the first 10 minutes of the movies and it's not really the point. Um, it's what happens after is the point. And I mean, the trailer for downhill gave it away too and played it for laughs when it's not played for laughs really in force majeure. And it's such a fucking like gold star elevator pitch idea. Like the whole movie is like a Raymond Carver story to me. Like, it's just like, it's just so like the fucking idea is like, if you have that idea, like it's, a, it's an idea that makes me want to like punch somebody. Cause it's such a good idea. And what can right. like spin out from there. So it's his family. I th- Sorry, I was going to say, I, I think, yeah, I, I, I think I know what it is, but yes, continue. So, pot, it could be considered a spoiler, but it's essential to the movie, and, like, what happens after has nothing. What spins also, out after is worth watching. Yeah, go ahead. Also, it's in, it's in the trailers. It's in the, so it's in the really trailers for, yeah, it was in the trailers for Downhill. But it's this family who's on a ski trip, and they do little things already to sort of suggest that things are not great with the family. Like there's a guy taking pictures and he takes pictures of the family. And then the mom goes to like see the developed shots and the kids look great. And she's really about that. And they hand him a picture, they hand her a picture of her and her husband. And she's like low key, not, she's like, Oh yeah, that's nice. Um, you know, she thinks he works too much or shit like that. Their relationship is already not the greatest. And then they're at the ski resort and they're at this roof. They're on this rooftop sort of restaurant and, they hear like kind of bangs in the distance because they're doing controlled avalanches, right? Like, so this starts kind of happening. They hear some bang they see some snow rolling up and slowly it's getting closer. The snow is getting closer and closer to this, you know, open air terrace. And everybody's getting a little more antsy and it starts rushing towards the restaurant. And ultimately it turns out to be nothing, you know, just like some, it's just like some kind of mist that like overtakes the restaurant, you know, no real like damage right. is done or anything. But in that moment where nobody knew, the father books it. Right. And leaves his wife and kids. And Which is the the opposite of what you hope. <laughs> what you hope in that situation your husband would do. And it's just like the tension from that decision that spins out afterwards and how like he doesn't remember it. He doesn't see it that way and refuses it. The, the the wife is like we can move, you know, we can take a step forward if we can just agree on what happened. And he's like, I don't see it that way. That's not what happened. Like, right. and how it plays out from there and just the threads that come unraveling from, from this family and this relationship. Like it's the original is like a really tense kind of like dark comedic drama, I guess. Whereas Hollywood took it and made it a slapstick thing. Oh, you asshole. Look what you did. <laughs> Like, that was right. in all the trailers for Downhill. Where it was like, he ran off when he thought he was going to die. <laughs> type of thing. Um, has a weird ending. Has a, um, veers a little art house at the ending, maybe. But, like I said, just that hook is such a such a hook that makes you want to punch yourself in the face if you've ever tried to, like, brainstorm story ideas in your life. It's like, fuck, that's so good. Like, the places you can go with that one idea is just so... Yeah. So amazing. Um one other minor thing I will spoil. The story actually had two. It had another scene where I was like, fuck, that's so good. <laughs> Things are not great. The only actor you will know in this is Redbeard from Game of Thrones. He's a supporting character. Oh, cool. Um, 
I don't think I think he's friends with the husband, and they kind of like met up there. And like, there's a lot of different takes on like the idea of family in here. Um, right. Where one of the mom's friends is there, and she is like, "I am on vacation from my family. Like, I am here to hook up with men, and that's the understanding I have with my husband." Uh, Redbeard has kind of like gone on a getaway with this 21 year old that he's banging, type of thing. Um. So the husband has kind of like taken a day to himself away from the family because things are really like tense and whatever. And he's out at some bar with, uh, with what was his name? Torvin. I'm just going to call him that. Um, he's out at the bar with Torman and some woman comes over and the way it's shot is like, you never quite see the woman's face because they're sitting in these like deck chairs having a beer. And she comes over and she's like, hi, I just wanted to tell you, you know, my friend over there thinks you're like the most handsome man in this bar, like blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, they're kind of feeling themselves. You know, everybody's cheers and type of thing. And he's feeling kind of good. And then like a minute later, the same woman comes back. She's like, sorry, I just, I'm really embarrassed. I made a mistake. Like she meant someone else. Oh, ouch. <laughs> and just now, and, and Tormund's getting all like pissed off. Cause he's, he's like, are we a joke to you? Like type of thing. She's like, no, it was a simple mistake type of thing. And the husband's just kind of like blank looking off into the distance. And then the security's coming over. I was like, fuck, that's such a good scene too. Like. Not a gr- not the greatest hang. Probably wouldn't give it to you because like there are definitely moments yeah. of like the husband and wife talking about what happened <laughs> that are like. <laughs> but force majeure. You can watch it for zero dollars on your canopy. Don't even have to spend a credit. All you need is a library card. <laughs> there you are. If you're interested in foreign films about horrible sad things, who isn't? There you go. Who isn't? Well, I mean, we're watching one happening outside at the moment so i mean not my not my hang like you said if you, if you want a fictionalized version of the nightmarish hellscape that we're living in then but... you know what you can uh get ready to watch hmm. lovecraft uh country that was lovecraft country oh my fucking god <sighs> late is... late episode veer friends it is. It is not come out yet. I actually don't know when it's supposed to be coming out. It's coming out on HBO though. But I need to watch this show. It's basically um, about 1950s Jim Crow era world, except there is an area of the country called Lovecraft Country. Um. At the executive producers are Jordan Peele and J.J. Abrams. Those are the two, like, big names. Um, the premise is that it follows Atticus Black as he joins up with his friend uh, Letitia and his uncle George to embark on a road trip across 1950s Jim Crow America in search of his missing father. This begins a struggle to survive and overcome both racist terrors of white America and the terrifying monsters that could be ripped from a Lovecraft paperback. I am so fucking excited. I saw the trailer and I had to watch it like three more times because I was so excited. Speaking of on brand, remember to get to that in August, I believe. It looks like it's coming up. Yes, August 2020. I am very excited. Sorry. And one last one last bit of news before we go. I did want to shout out the uh, the creators of Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. Yeah. That came out last week, which uh, for basically acknowledging and making canon that John Constantine was a bottom for King Shark. Amazing. That's a thing that happened this week. Chuds be mad. 
Chuds are always mad, Jordan. Chuds are always mad. And I don't, apparently, I did not know that Chuds was like the accepted vernacular for this type of fandom. I just thought it was something that kind of like I knew the 80s movie the word came from, but I thought I was, I thought I was like cleverer than I am, apparently. Apparently, it's just like the, the industry standard for a certain type of uh, awful fan. Great. <laughs> I've seen it used in multiple tweets that I did not write. I was like, damn, did I just like abscond with that from somewhere? Friends. <laughs> If you'd like to tell me I'm not as clever as I think I am sometimes, you would not be the first person, but you can do that on Twitter at GeekdownPod. Get up off Twitter. <laughs> See what else we're getting up to over there. We'll be back next week with, uh, who knows, we'll be doing something. It's going to be a great episode, though, no matter what. <laughs> Song or not, it'll be another fantastic episode of the Geekdown Podcast. Friends, thank you for joining us as you do every week. We hope we give you some comfort for an hour and change. Stay sane, stay safe. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser, and I hope you'll join us next week for another wonderful episode of the Geek Damn Podcast. Philip and I. <laughs> In these trying times, Philip and I went. <laughs> It's like a mix between the queen and Miss Piggy. Philip and I. For me.